Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy Saturday slash Sunday morning, everyone. We do replay, re-air some of these shows on Sunday morning. So if you're listening on Sunday, welcome. I hope everyone is well. Happy New Year. I think we can still say that. We are, I have guests today. I have two guests today. I have my regular co-host, my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Good morning. And I have another guest, uh, Mike McDonough with Nielsen McDonough and Company, uh, CPAs in Marshfield. And we are talking taxes this morning. So we are, uh, we wanted to hyper-focus today on um, tax and financial matters for the self-employed. Of course, we have had Mike on the show before several times now. And Mike is a certified public accountant and uh, he knows all about taxes. And we're here today to pick his brain specifically about tax matters for the self-employed. But we can really go in any direction if we have any callers. Uh, If you're listening on the South Shore, 781-837-4900. Feel free to give us a call. Um, Ask us any financial or tax questions this morning. We're always happy to take a break from our outlook and uh, answer any questions that our listeners may have. So Mike McDonough with Nielsen McDonough and Company. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Are you all situated now? I am. Excellent. Everybody, he we took Somewhere. us. It took us a few minutes, minutes to, you know, you know, make sure all some the technical um, difficulties. Yeah, I see, and I still hear the echo. Is your is the is your are you muted? I am muted. Oh, okay. Is it is it me? I'm I'm muted. You think it's me? No, I think it's Kirk. Oh, Kirk, Kirk. Come, on. Come, on. come on, come on. 
That's a rookie mistake. All right, well, I'll keep going. Oh, now I don't hear the echo. Okay, so whatever Kirk just did, good job. Um, okay, so uh, welcome again, Mike uh, from Nielsen McDonough and Company. They have offices in Marshfield. Actually, I don't know if you have a second office, just Marshfield, right? Uh, we're going to be working out a situate. We're, we're, okay. we're taking over some clients for a retiring CPA and situate named Jack Pine. Okay. So we're going to be maintaining that office. We're going to be maintaining that office for a little while, yeah. uh, at least through tax season. Oh, good. Um, well, welcome again. I think it's been probably about a year since we had you, but yeah. you're always a pleasure to talk Thank to you and obviously knowledgeable about taxes. And do you, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you just want to give us a moment, a uh, quick introduction about your uh, business <coughs> and the types of things you do day to day over there? Taxes. So, we know yeah, this. Taxes, <laughs> Maybe that's a short, short intro. <laughs> <laughs> So Nielsen McDonough Company, we're local CPAs. Um, you know, we 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 work in Boston a lot as well too. So yep. Eric, Eric Nielsen's my business partner. Um, we have about four people in the in the firm, and we um, you know we specialize in small business, individual taxes. Um, you know, we uh, uh, we're getting a lot more bookkeeping kind of uh, with yep. you know along with the tax work yep. uh, type stuff to help us do that. So um, so we have bookkeepers, CPAs. We do some outsourced um, CFO work for some local and some actually national companies. And um, so yeah, just kind of well rounded. Tax, well-rounded tax firm. Well, we have several mutual clients. We always hear good things about you, so you must be doing something right over there. And I'm one of your clients. And I've had, <laughs> so we must be doing something. Although right. I've skipped my meetings with Kurt a few times. Sorry, bud. Yeah, that's okay. You know what? When you have uh, when you have trust in the professional you're working with, sometimes those things fall by the wayside. But you mm -hmm. definitely should come in for that review at some point. <laughs> um, so again, we wanted to just uh, actually, you know, Mike and I uh, chatted. We put together sort of an outline of you know where we wanted to um, take the show today and this sort of information we wanted to get out. I, I think just for just a little bit of background, I mean, I, I you know, we, we obviously both know a lot of, there are a lot of self-employed people out there. I, I didn't know if that was going to be more common as a result of COVID-19, you know, people <coughs> layoffs, et cetera, and people kind of spinning off and doing their own thing. I don't know. I, it could happen. Well, so, in, But I just think this information is just always helpful. I mean, you and I know a lot of uh, people that are either self-employed or they run small businesses and, and they run small businesses. And so I just think, you know, it's it can be confusing with regard to, you know, how to own the business, how to pay yourself, the tax benefits, um, things to think about from a tax perspective, the retirement and uh, uh, plan options. Um, so, so that's the things we wanted to chat about this morning. I mean, well, you just talking about, you know, maybe seeing more around or yeah. people doing, you know, like they call it the, the side hustle or the gig economy and that, yeah, yeah. you know, w one of the things I run into is, you know, somebody just wondering, am I self-employed or should yeah, I, should okay. I set up a business? And I said, well, what do you, what have you been doing? Yeah. Well, I've just been, you know, doing it. And I'm like, well, then you're in business. That's, <laughs> that's kind of the way it is. You know, it, it's yeah. it, by virtue of the fact that you're charging money for a service individually, you're in business, whether you're a, you know, a paper boy or, you know, you own a, a store that's unincorporated. So that's, yeah. you're in business. Or even like if you're gambling online, right? Or, sell, have, or selling things on, I guess, mm -hmm. eBay. eBay's still around. I was going to say yeah. eBay, is that still around? It is, yeah. So um, any of those, if, you, if yeah. you're acting, you know, to try to make money, then you're in business. If you're not receiving a paycheck from an employer yeah, and, and you have earned income, you're in business for yourself, right? Yeah, and it's just matters at what level. Yeah. You know? 
So I think where we wanted to start today was just kind of talking about the ways that people can set up their business, whether it's a sole, whether they're a sole proprietor, whether they incorporate, whether they set up an LLC or a partnership. Um, so I don't know if you, I, I think you're, you're probably the better person to sort of set the stage for that in terms of the ways that you can own your business. Well, um, it's, it, so it's funny. So you have the people that like I said, you know, they have a little side hustle or whatever. And so they call and say, should I start a, a corporation? And, mm. and that's always like the first question you get. And, yeah. and I think people, you know, assume corps and LLCs kind of the, they're all the same thing to them, which they're not. Right. But um, so that, that it usually starts with that. If you're talking about somebody who, who's starting a business, it usually starts with a side hustle and, you, you know, are the questions I get a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, or or they're, they're peeling off of another company and they're starting their own. Yeah. But the question is always, you know, what, what entity selection should we have? And it, what I always say is that it, it, it's a legal question as much as it is a, a tax question. Yeah. So I won't, you know, give legal advice. Yeah. Other than to say the obvious, which is consult with an attorney. Well, yeah, <laughs> in that it, you know, the reasons why you you go about you know selecting different types of entities, a lot of times is based on the liability that's yep. inherent in what you're doing. You know, um, so you, you know, it, a lot of people will start out and they don't realize what type of liability their actions could cause or, or whatever. So, and, they, and they're trying to protect. I mean, they don't think about protecting their house, their assets, um, yeah. things like that. So, I, I mean, it seems like a lot of people sort of fall into being self-employed. I think you're you're actually probably a good example of that. I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, have a regular job through an employer and then just mm -hmm. start doing something on the side. And then that something on the side just kind of grows over time. It's yeah. sometimes to the point where then they, they leave their former employer and then they're just fully self-employed or some combination of it for a long time. That you're a good example of that. Yeah. I mean, it's how it's, you transition. And a lot of accountants do that. You know, they, they kind of build up a little bit of a, of a side, side business and yeah. then it becomes a, a choice at one point. And yeah. what are the opportunities? What's the, you know, to go, what, what, what's the opportunity cost by staying where you're at? And yeah. it's a risk. Um, we, we, Eric and I certainly took a risk, but, uh, you know, we're five years in now and, it, and it's going well, so right. we're happy. But, yeah. Um, so we're actually, you know, in a lot of ways in a unique position to, to give advice on that because of the way that we, we started out. Yeah. So, so talk about so maybe just from a from a high level of their the way that people can own their business or or be self employed. They can be a sole proprietor, <coughs> which is not they're not forming an, any sort of entity when they're a sole proprietor. They're just earning income and they're paying taxes on it. It's like flowing through to their personal return, as many of as most of the entities do. The income flows through their personal tax return, um, but there's no sort of business entity that's separate from the person, right? No. They, I mean, they can get a, um, you know, a tax ID if they'd like, okay. so that their social isn't shared. Okay. So that that's kind of the, the, you know, the next step in insulating and or you know becoming more official. Yeah. As a as a business. So basically, so you start out. Think of it in terms of levels. So you're a sole proprietor. Um, you work. Um, you could have employees or not. That's okay. that, that's allowed. Um, but you just file on a what's called a Schedule C, which is just a, an additional schedule on your individual income taxes. You have no liability protection, so there's no okay. insulation. So if if you're a um, you know if you own a store, a liquor store or yeah. whatever, and you know you underage serve. 
Oh, getting oh sorry. Bar- pardon us. We're having audio issues. Okay, we're good now. All right. So, you know, if you um, you sell to a young minor or something like that, or what, it could be anything, and yeah. you get sued, you could lose your house. You could lose anything you have because it's not insulated. Because you haven't formed a legal entity that is separate from yourself, right? Okay. So so that's kind of how people start out a lot of the time. Uh, like you said, smaller it's if they're, smaller. they're starting their own company. Um you can have a an additional level of insulation, and it's something that's a fairly new entity called a single-member LLC. Have you heard of that? Yep. So with a single-member LLC, you create an LLC. A limited liability corporation. Mm-hmm. Limited right? liability yep. company. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. It's not a corporation. Thank you. So yep. you, you can create a single-member LLC, which is... Your, so LLCs and corporations are all run by states, anyways. And they're not; it's not a federal designation. Oh, okay. it's, it's, it's individualized by states. Okay, I didn't know that. So if you run a, if you create a single member LLC, it, and I say theoretically because I think it's not, it hasn't really been tested a tremendous amount, like in the courts, and because okay. that's how yeah. a lot of these liability cases um, get solidified is by court cases and people getting sued and yeah. you know it's standing up and the yeah. and, and the corporate shield and all of that. So the LLC, uh, single member LLC is not not been tested a lot. It's fairly new. Okay. And um, but that is you as a single person creating an LLC as opposed to creating a corporation, okay. which has a lot more stringent rules around meetings and, and, and just corporate rules that you have to follow. You have to keep corporate minutes, right? You can have shares of the corporation. <clears throat> yeah, things so like that. So whereas a yeah. single member LLC, you create it, it, it's theoretically, again, treated no differently than a than a multi-member LLC with, with mm-hmm. many members on, on, on the kind of legal side. From a tax perspective, it's, it's called a disregarded entity and you essentially file it as if you're filing a sole proprietorship on yeah. a Schedule C. Yeah. So, so I do recommend to people it's it's worth it. it you know, you you um, create it. It's five hundred bucks, and annually you got to file it annually. Um, and from a tax perspective, it's it it doesn't cost any more. Okay. It doesn't um, take any more you know time than if you were doing a sole proprietor. So, so a sole proprietor, a limited liability company. And a a, a, a uh, single member. A single member LLC. LLC. From a tax perspective, there's no difference no because difference. all the income just flows through to your personal tax return. Mm-hmm. There, there's a legal difference, which neither of us are in a position to give advice about. And and uh, I think last time we did this show, we we <coughs> might have had an attorney. We should have thought. I should have thought about that. You know, a couple weeks ago when we planned it to have an attorney here, but we'll we'll skip that for today in terms of the legal yeah. differences. But from a tax perspective, there's no difference between those two. Now, what about a partnership? That's if you have a business partner. Yes. Right, and you're sharing expenses of the the business. Um, you're sharing income from the business. So, can you talk about that a little bit from a tax perspective? That and so yeah, so so a partnership again. If you're working with somebody, even if you haven't formed a a, a legal partnership with like partnership um, minutes, and you haven't written up a contract, and yeah. the IRS would say that you are in a partnership if you're working with somebody, even if it's not declared. Okay. Technically, they'd call it, or they could call it a joint venture, but okay. But they would call it a partnership. So let's say you actually intend to form a partnership. The, not many people form partnerships anymore, anymore now anyways, because a partnership from a legal perspective and from a liability perspective is no different There's than no a sole proprietor. Okay. It's just two sole proprietors working together. Okay. So from that 
not many people form the partnerships anymore. In, instead, they they actually form the LLCs. But let's let's go okay. stick with the partnerships for a little bit. So, yeah. so with a partnership, you um, have you know unlimited liability, and you have to file a separate tax return for a partnership, and then each partner gets a K one, and it and the Ish. income flows down to you personally on your and you um, record that and recognize it and pay taxes on it on the individual basis. Okay, so the so the business return is not you're not paying taxes on that income separately like you would in a C corp, but it's just the the business return determines, you know, what was the gross revenue for example, write-offs, etc. Mm-hmm. What was the the net profit? I don't know if I'm using the right terms, but Fine. and then you divide that, you know, between the partners, however many there are, and not just that. Well, you yeah, it, 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 it's yeah. based upon their ownership percentage because okay. you could have any, yeah. uh, unequal. Yeah. And then that flows through the individual income tax return on that yeah. one form it's similar to getting like a W-2. Before we go any further, though, we should talk about the additional. So, you know, you have individual income taxes. That's on the income that you earn. Yeah. But if you are a sole proprietor or a single member LLC or a partnership, you pay what's called, you know, um, self-employment taxes yeah. as well. Yeah. So just a, a little... Um, kind of background on that. It's it's Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. So when you work for somebody else and you get a paycheck, you get 7.65% of your pay taken out up to a certain level, it's called 150, whatever. Um, you get that taken out of your own pay. And that gets sent in for Social Security and Medicare. What a lot of employees don't know, because they don't have any, any reason to know, yeah. is that their employer has to match that amount and has to send that amount in. Yeah. So there's essentially 15.3%. Point two, yeah, 15 by three, yep, yep. Um, we round here. Okay. <laughs> uh, 15.3% um, you know, of whatever your pay is goes into the government for Social Security and Medicare. Yep. When you're self-employed, whether, whether it be a sole, uh, sole proprietor, single-member LLC, or a partnership, you have to pay that. Fifteen point three percent, because the IRS still wants the wants the dough. So, so you're looking at that now. The good news is, is you only pay it on your profit. You don't pay it on all the your gross. gross. The gross you revenue. pay it on your yeah. profit. Yeah. Some people want to try to get out of paying it, which I get because it's a tax. But if they're not paying into Social Security and Medicare, they wouldn't be able to receive it after. You know, I remember about twenty years ago, I had a an electrician that almost every year was able to, through purchases, whatever whatever they did, was able to get it down really low. And I, I explained when I took them over as a client that you're not paying into Social Security. So you're not going to so receive not gonna much get it. benefit. Yeah, so we changed it. it and yeah. then, you know, so he did that for another 15 years and then he started collecting and he still says, you know, he, he's happy because he's actually getting to, He's getting it, yeah. He's to get getting it. a return on that. It's interesting because when you, and I've done this before, I've done calculations before on, like, take someone who works for an employer right and they pay 7 uh, excuse me 6.2% tax pays into the social security system mm-hmm. and 1.45 goes 1. to 1.45 goes to medicare. medicare but if you just focus on social security for a minute if you do the calculations based on okay if i took 6.2% of my pay every year and i saved that and i invested it for my retirement could i pay myself a social security a benefit that mimics social security mm-hmm. from from my own savings right in other words how good of a deal what are you is doing for security? a rate like 7% or something um, I, I, I probably did, yeah, I probably did that six or seven percent or something like that, and then maybe lower in, in Return, later years. Yeah. If you do that calculation for an employee, 
that contributes 6.2% and then gets X benefit in retirement, it's a really, really good deal. In other words, you likely could not save 6.2% of your gross income for your working years and pay yourself the same benefit that Social Security, the Social Security Administration is paying you. It, you'd have to have really excellent return, like crazy yeah. good returns. It's a really, really good deal, but you know what? It's because your employer is matching, your contribution is actually double that because your employer is matching that contribution. So So if you do that, excuse me, but which I haven't taken that next step, but if you did the same calculation factoring in the employer contribution, it, it, Social Security might not look, likely won't look like such a great deal anymore. Do you know what I mean? So I I do. My question, I guess, would, would be on that calculation. Do you, when you're looking at it from a from an increase of wealth standpoint, though, you might lose out because Social Security ends. Whereas if you've saved up that asset, fair enough, and, and you yeah. cro- and you croak the day after you start taking depends taking on it when out. you die. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I was I was I have always done my calculations based on someone living to their statistical life expectancy. Yeah. So like male age eighty one, female age eighty four, something like that. But if you so if you do those calculations to a to a, a a traditional life expectancy, Social Security is an excellent deal for mm-hmm. an employee. Yeah. For a self-employed person, or having said it differently, if you factor in the employer side of that contribution, it's not such a great deal because there's actually another 6.2% yeah. coming from somewhere else. You know what I mean? I mean? Well, so, that, yeah. that question comes up to when I, I get, yeah. if I get asked sometimes by people, whether and I, and I don't really go in deep with them because it's not what I do, but when they get asked, should they take their, you know, pension, they have a pension payout. And, you know, that's the kind of thing I, I always say too, you know, think about the fact that, you know, yes, you have that steady stream. So keeping the pension is a good idea, but um, mm-hmm. if the pension isn't going to be left to anybody, then, yeah, you know, sometimes having the asset to be able to pass it on is a good deal too. You never know. It it's, depends on how long you live. Yeah, yeah, we've had so many conversations like that. And ge- oh yeah, I can't see you, Tim. Thank you. Um, yeah, and generally speaking, that's why I I like our, yeah. you know my clients to have diversification, sort of to hedge it on either side because mm-hmm. you just don't, you know. Just if don't you, know if you live, if to, you be live to be a hundred, then those you know fixed incomes tend to be a really really good deal. And if you die prematurely, then they're then they're not because there's no lump sum asset to mm-hmm. to a survivor. So, generally speaking, although sometimes in pensions, of course, there's an option for a, for the a, wife. A spousal like benefit, yeah. et cetera. But, but we digress a little bit. Um, but we have another minute or so before we need to take a break. But anything else on like just setting up the, so for a self-employed person, when it comes down to how do you want to own this business, um, you know, d- definitely have a, you know, consult with a an attorney in this regard. Um, and, you know, because there's some, there's some uh, liability issues to think about, you know, maybe just think through what is my, what, what are my, li- what's my liability in this business? Do I have much of a liability? Am I, Am I putting myself at risk of being sued? What other assets do I have that are at risk if I am to be sued? Um, hopefully you have some assets that are at risk. And you want to have insurance uh, for that too. Yeah, of course. Uh, E&O in my business or... Um, Any uh, business. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it can be so cheap. If, if you don't think that there's a big liability out there, then the insurance is likely pretty cheap. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, we're just going to take a break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We're talking with Mike McDonough of Nielsen McDonough and Company. Mike's a CPA. We're talking about uh, business and financial matters for self-employed persons. Uh, we are taking a quick break and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Uh, we're talking about Mike McDonough with Nielsen McDonough and Company. Mike's a CPA. Uh, they do personal and business taxes, bookkeeping, et cetera. And uh, Mike, your website, NMC Advisors? Correct. And like Nielsen, M like McDonough, advisors with an O-R. And, and, and MC advisors, yes. Advisors.com. Uh, you can check them out. They have offices, uh, primary office in Marshfield, now an office in Situate through tax It's not really going to be a manned okay. office, so we're, you know, we're going to have a location there for a while. Okay, excellent. No, what is your website? That's the wrong website. NMC. advisors.com. Okay. Not, I went to nmadvisors.com. That's a different, that's different. So different. NMC, Nielsen McDonough Company. Got it. Uh, Well, thank you for being here. We're talking this morning about tax uh, and financial matters for the self-employed. I originally was going to call it tax and financial concerns for the self-employed, but it's not all concerning, right? There there are good things uh, about being self-employed, certainly beyond, you know, uh, control of your life and, uh, and not working for someone else type stuff and, and work-life balance type stuff. But also I wanted to get through, I wanted to get into some of the tax um, benefits of being self-employed too, write-offs, et cetera. But we can talk through all that this morning. We're also going to talk about some of the financial issues surrounding being self-employed, retirement plan options, et cetera. So lots to discuss. Thank you for being here. I wondered, so we just talked a little bit before the break about, you know, entities and the, and the importance of consulting with an attorney, of course, outside of the scope of today's show regarding liability protection when you're self-employed and, and having conversations about the different types of entities that are uh, that may be appropriate for you and your business, whether whether you're uh, just one person or whether you have employees, still a worthwhile discussion to have with an attorney. Um, but outside of the scope for today, so. I, I just wondered if, if this might be a good time, Mike, to get into the tax benefits of being self-employed, write-offs, et cetera. I don't know if you want to talk about, um, you know, home office write-offs, which are likely do you want to do common a quick, these days. We'll, we'll do a quick kind of, just because we stopped at partnerships, okay. so maybe we throw in LLCs and, and corps just to, yes. to kind of get to it. So so we, we know a partnership, uh, you know, no liability protection, and it files a partnership tax return that you can decide to, uh, I mean, that you have to claim on your personal income taxes okay. and pay Social Security and Medicare. And that's yeah. kind of where we left off. Okay. The next kind of step um, is, is called an LLC, Limited Liability Company. And that, again, is all formed. All of these are formed through the state. And that gives very similar characteristics to a corporation, a corporation with limited liability for all the, what they call members in an LLC. And an LLC, by default, because there's no tax form for an LLC... It, it by default becomes a partnership from a tax perspective. Okay. So it's treated very similar to a partnership on a tax perspective. And there's other nuances with regard to it since it's treated that way. Um, some of the like property transfers and different things like that, which is way. Uh, I'm having know, nightmares about this. inside basis, outside yeah, basis. Yeah, all of this oh. type of stuff. <laughs> Keeping um, track so, of dollars in, yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, other things going on, but. But an LLC is probably your more common entity now, especially um, in real estate. You, you, you generally yep. don't want to form a corp anymore in real estate. You want to have it be an LLC for, for reasons of moving stuff in and out. But, okay. So the LLC would file a partnership tax return as a default. You can actually, and there's reasons to do it, you can actually uh, apply to be taxed as an S corporation, which okay. is kind of the next step. If you choose to, we won't really get into all the reasons why, but but it's it's available. So kind of the next step up is is an is a corporation. Now, corporations, a corporation, they're all the same. Whether it's Exxon or whether it's whether it's what you call an S corporation, 
on a state level, whereas where you form the corporation, they're all you form a corporation on the state level, and then you apply to the IRS to be taxed as an S corporation. So, just a quick kind of reminder: a corporation, you probably people probably heard, you know, there's double taxation. So essentially, under under a corporation um, in its purest form, it, you pay taxes on the profit at the corporate level, and then the shareholders pay taxes on the dividends that they receive from the earnings uh, of the corporation. You know, years ago, I don't know how many years ago, um, 50, 70, I, I really don't have any, <laughs> I can't remember, but they formed, they created this this um, subsection of the IRS code that allows you to elect to be taxed as a small business corporation, essentially, and there's only one level of taxes. So you okay. get the benefits of a corporate um, entity from a liability standpoint, so you're you're covered from a liability standpoint. But there's no corporate level tax, so any of the earnings get passed down to you as a as a personal um, owner, you know, shareholder of the corporation, um, and then you pay. It's again like a K one, and you pay taxes on your representative share of the of the profit based upon your you know ownership percentage of the corporation. Okay, but you only pay it once. The downside is, is you pay that profit whether you take the money out of the corporation or not. If you yeah. decide to leave it in there to grow, so sometimes, um, depending on how much the profits are and, and and whatnot, you might decide to form a C corp. So because the the to taxes re- retain some earnings. Yeah, yeah, right? because yeah. the taxes might be taxed lower if you're in the higher bracket. But that's kind of beyond what we have here. But those, yeah. so those are just a quick recap. You have a sole proprietor. Okay. You have a single member LLC. You have a partnership. You have a multi-member LLC, and then you have an S corporation, and then you have a C corporation. So those are really your, you know, six main kind of choices. A, that's a lot. <laughs> There's it that's is. a lot. That's very confusing. So with a C corporation, the original corporation, right? Mm-hmm. You, uh, generally speaking, the lo- well certainly publicly traded entities are C corporations. Larger entities are C corporations. So, so there's we we call it the double taxation, right? There's mm-hmm. the double tax. There's that. What are the profits of the companies? Those are taxed, and then those profits, some anyway, some are all distributed to the owners of the company, and then those are taxed. Yeah. To the oh, owners. you take it as so that's payroll. The, right. That's the which is taxed. Which right? is taxed. So, and so, so right. Well, though then it wouldn't be taxed as a profit if it was taken out as payroll because it's doesn't, exactly. doesn't add to the profits. But yeah, so does so I guess I didn't realize S Corps weren't around as long as C Corps that I didn't know. Does S stand for small business? I, I think it's <laughs> it's actually subchapter S of the Oh, that's of right. The, that's right. Of the tax code. That's right. Yeah. You, you're, um, you're making me go way back to my... Come on, really testing you here. You didn't know there was going to be a quiz program. today. <laughs> I know. God. Nightmares. It looks, so, it, it looks yeah. like uh, 1958. Oh, you were pretty good. You said 50 to 70 yeah. years. That's pretty good, Mike. Yeah. I'm impressed. That's like right in the middle, 62 years there. Yeah, so with an S-Corp, which is still a corporation, but with an S-Corp, there's no, there's not that level of double taxation, right? So there's the, the profits of the S-Corp are not taxed at right now it is 20% flat tax. 21, yeah. Corp, 21%. Um, there's no corporate level tax, but all of the profits are taxed pro rata to the owners of the S-Corp and, and just- flow through to the... Just for kind of a, uh, to make a point too, though, is the IRS requires that if you are a shareholder of an S-Corp and you actually are operating the S-Corp, you're required to take a payroll. 
Yeah. And and the yep. reason being a reasonable payroll or something. A reasonable, a reasonable paycheck. And they've yep. never said yep. what a reasonable yep. you know salary yep. is, but they the reason why they did that is because when they formed the you know the S corp, people automatically when they were a sole proprietor kind of ran to say, hey, why don't they become an S-Corp? Because you are not, you don't have to pay Social Security and Medicare taxes on your S-Corp earnings because yep. it's earnings as a investor, essentially. Okay. So the IRS all of a sudden started losing a lot of Social Security yeah. and Medicare because there was no, there's no self-employment. So they required right. you to take a payroll from it as the employee yep. portion of the S-Corp. So if you're an owner-operator, part of what you're doing is operating the business. That is kind of the employee portion of it. And then you're an investor, so okay. they want you to kind of break it out and to take some salary. What's a reasonable salary? That, that's a subject of another show. There's but some th- flexibility on that, I'm sure, right? But basically, if you were working for someone else and doing in, in your yeah. capacity as this, uh, in the same capacity, what would your salary be, roughly, right? Well, I, mean, I always give, a, I give an example. Yeah. I, I had years ago a, a an escort where the woman um, owned a daycare. Yeah. And I took it over from a previous accountant, and they were having her take a salary of like basically almost all the profit and salary. So it was like $150,000 salary. She was paying Social Security and Medicare. So if you think about it, you know, it's 7.5% times two, essentially. So 15% of that. So you're looking at a good $20,000 in Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. So when I took it over, I was like, what do you do there? And she said, actually, almost nothing now because um, she had children of her own. She was staying home and she hired a manager to to manage it, what, you know, a director or whatever. So we redid the, the structure so that that I think she took a salary of like $30,000 as a, as a W-2 and the rest was profits from the S-Corp. And so by doing that, we cut down the taxes from... You know, twenty five thousand dollars or whatever it was to like five. Yeah. You know, um, and it was reasonable. It wasn't. You know, there's some people that many, try to push it. Yeah. But I don't know many daycare providers that make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You know, either. that's the, so. Yeah, that seems like reasonable. So that that was like yeah. the the best example of of what to do. But um, we're always getting asked, you know, what's a reasonable salary? And and it's you know it's tough to say. I you I have a company that does like artificial intelligence, and they're two part two people that own it, S corp. You know, what do they take for a salary? Well, you know, what does an artificial intelligence programmer make? I have no idea. You know, yeah. uh, take something reasonable. <laughs> we usually will say to people, as long as you're taking, if I mean, if the company's profitable and can sustain it, as long as you take it up to the Social Security limit, they don't really have a lot to. to they're to getting about. all their. They're getting but, most of their tax revenue. But yeah. we don't. You know, I don't. I don't recommend everybody does that either because you know, you don't have to. Well, there there must be information out there on webs like on the on the job search websites, Indeed or whatever, yeah. where there's information about you know you know go in there and pretend you're looking mm-hmm. for a job and these yeah, are credentials you, you and what it. would you be paid? I mean, that, that doesn't seem like it would be that difficult in this. World I don't think the IRS dating. argues yeah. a lot with it. You know, as long as you have something. So. Yeah, I've never heard much about that. But, um, um, but they will say there's actually a specific line item on an S corporation return for for um, salaries to the owners essentially. Yeah. So they do look at it. So yeah. those are, those are the so, levels. Right. Okay. And so what? And what? Just one other point. And you mentioned it a few minutes ago. Is that one of the one one of the downsides of the S corporation, which I guess is this 
the same as the other entities, LLC, partnership, sole proprietors, that you're taxed on all the profits, whether you take them into your personal bank account or not, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you're, whatever the profits are of, of the company, you're paying taxes on that. You could leave, unless you're a C-Corp, right? This is the only exception to that. You could leave all of those profits in your business bank account to run your business or pay for XYZ the following year, but you're taxed on that regardless, right? Yes, yeah. you're only taxed okay. once though. Yeah, right. So. Right. You know, if all that money's in the bank account and let's say the next year you don't do any business for whatever reason, you don't get taxed on it yeah. again. You can yep. take that out whenever yep. you want. Yeah. Um, you can take the distributions. The other point with a with, with a corporation is all your distributions have to be equal based upon your ownership, whereas like LLCs, you can take different distribution oh, for different I, percentages. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Even if you have a partner. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you can That's decide right. that yep. you own fifty percent of the equity, but you can only take twenty percent of the profits. It's uh, it's it's much more flexible. Okay. Yeah. So you know, we usually you know you're not forming a lot of S corps nowadays. You know, probably oh. probably two to one on LLCs. Really? Yeah. For what reason? Uh, the flexibility yeah. uh, of being able to do that, the um, the um, basically the rules, you know what I mean, and, and yeah. property wise. Okay. Because what happens is, without getting into it, you know, completely, if you if property's in a in a corporation and then you distribute it back out, it's a taxable event right. to the corporation. Whereas you can move property in between an LLC and you personally, because you're essentially, it's an extension of you from a tax perspective. Okay. And it's not a taxable event. Yeah. I mean, there yeah, can okay. be certain okay. times, but, but it's generally, that's a lot of the reason why you'd hold property in that. Interesting. Okay. All right. Anything else on business entities? No. Okay. How about, um, how about tax benefits of being self-employed? Like, you know, what, what sort of things... I guess I have a couple questions. Number one, what sort of things are are, are legitimate for write-offs, right? Deductions. Anything. No, Anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I guess my question was- What like, does George Costanza say? It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> They're going way back there. I guess I had two questions. Like if you're a sole proprietor, I guess so number one, what are- again, legitimate write-offs where you're not taking advantage, right? And you're certainly not doing things illegal. And then I guess where I'm confused a little bit on this is, is are your business write-offs separate from your itemized deductions? Do they come yes. like before and then and then you could still take a standard deduction? Okay, so can you talk through that a little bit? Well, so normally when I get somebody who's started a business and they start to ask, you know, what types of things can they deduct? I kind of start off with whatever expenses you have that are helping you run this business get business in, you know, operate the business, whatever type of expenses. So if you buy a pencil for the business, you can deduct that. Okay. Sometimes I have people calling me every time they buy anything <laughs> saying, you know, can I, can I write off, you know, this, this, um, you know, pad of paper, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, as a general rule, you know, whatever you're kind of spending to try to create this business and run this business, you can write off from a tax perspective. Okay, so so office supplies, that's pretty obvious, right? Yeah. Fo- office work, phone, that's pretty obvious. So I would imagine cell phone, as long as you're using your cell phone to operate the business. Well, so, so you mean, that's when you start to get into the gray area. Right. Because, because it's personal. Because it's, it's personal and yeah. business. Um, you know, and same with the phone, like if you have a home phone, uh, it's actually written into the code that, that regardless of, if you use it for business or not, you can't take your home phone as a deduction. The f- any of it? Your home phone, oh, yeah. Nobody has a home um, phone anymore. Well, we still do. You have to have it for. <laughs> I mean, don't, you, actually, don't you have to have actually, it for the fire or something? <laughs> we or? actually do. 
Yeah. We actually do. Just because I always wanted to be able to call 911 if we didn't have cell That's, service. Having said that, our home phone is like, why? It's on the Wi Fi or something. So I'm not even sure if yeah. I didn't have cell service. I'm not sure if my home um, phone but, would work. But when you look anyway. at certain shared, like, you know, internet, look at that. You know, a lot of it's over the internet, anyways. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you, you got to come up with a reasonable basis for why you need it. And then I, I always tell people right off half. And we, I've had clients audited, and, and that's that's been okay, actually. So you're not taking advantage. You're not... Yeah, yeah, you know, right half. Um, yeah. You know, but then when you start to look at it, and if half the cell phone bills got, you know, it, it got all your kids on it and, and everything, then, you mm-hmm. know. But I, I usually say, you know, whatever the percentage is that you think you use it for business, you know. I okay. probably use my phone for business 80% of the time. Okay. So... And is that the and is it the same thing for home office? So portion of mortgage interest. So well, so there's, there's a couple of stuff like that. Well, you know that that's a good point, and you brought up um, itemized deductions. Yeah. Which also you can take, you know, mortgage interest and real estate taxes. Nowadays, because of the the changes in the tax law that went into effect in seventeen. A lot less people itemize because yeah. the, uh, the standard deductions, the, the standard so deductions you know, yeah. fairly high. Yeah. So they kind of lose the benefit of the mortgage interest from that perspective. But if they are a yeah. uh, sole, if they uh, file a tax return as a sole proprietor, actually even as a partnership, and we can get into that afterwards, but they can take um, that deduction for the home office. Okay. And so a home office is essentially a, you know, you have what the IRS calls a area of your home that is used regularly and exclusively for the business. Mm. Everyone has a home office right now, though. Like, I, I use our I kitchen just, table. I was just, say, I was just thinking. <laughs> well, well, that's the issue is, office, is if they audited that, it, they would say no. Because it's not yeah. used regularly and exclusively. I mean, we're not writing it off, but. What? That's, that's kind of the, the, the words they use. Yeah. Now, if it's, you know, I don't see a lot of people audited for that. It, it used to be a red flag. I mean, years ago, everybody said, don't take the home office, you know. It's a red flag. But they, um, and in fact, the IRS has gone to court. There was a, you, You've done some, in, in your uh, program, some tax stuff. Did, yeah. did they ever talk to you about the Solomon case? The um, I don't remember off the top of my head. Basically, the IRS battled with this Dr. Solomon who was an anesthesiologist, and he did all of his research, all of his billing, all of the all of the administrative work at home. At home, and he, you know, did the injections at the hospital, and so he tried to write off a home office, and they they um, said no, you couldn't do it because the preponderance of the work, like what really earned you money, was done at the hospital, and the IRS battled it, and he took it to the Supreme Court. Good for him, and yeah. actually ended up winning. Winning, yeah. Um, they didn't, you know, acquiesce or whatever. They so so they they reserved the right to fight it down the line again. Oh, but, okay. But it kind of opened up the door for people taking a home office um, to the point where maybe like five or six years ago, with you know online and a lot of people working remote, they came up with a simplified version. So we kind of went full circle. So now the uh, now now you can choose a simplified version of the home office rather than going through and putting in. All of your utilities and all all okay. of your expenses and everything, and it gets capped, um, you know, at like three thousand dollars, whatever. I got to actually look; I forget now. Okay, um, but it gets capped at a smaller amount than if you were, if you had a, a legit home office and were taking all of those deductions as a portion of your house. Okay, I uh, did, were you going to say something, Kirk? You started to chime in. We couldn't hear you. Uh, I forget now. Okay, <laughs> sorry, man. <laughs> I was just wondering if like. 
maybe for the next couple years anyway, the IRS will be a little bit more lenient in that regard. Um, uh, well, again, I don't. Th- I, I, just, I think that they've kind of they already have maybe. pulled back. Oh, okay, you know, by virtue of the fact of having a simplified version there. They're almost throwing the towel in, I think. You know? Simplified version, meaning you don't need to itemize everything. You can just take 3000 you, you can choose. Um, you just have to put the size of your house uh, and the area that you use exclusively for, okay. for work. You know. and, it, yeah, and you, it says here, Mike, uh, standard deduction of $5 per square foot up to 300 square feet. Yeah, so the 1500 I know it was 2000 okay. to 1500 yeah. Okay, was, okay. You can just take that as a flat business deduction, you mean, as a, yes. without showing that, receipts that, of all, you know, of all the things yeah, that you're well, writing on. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise yeah. The, the form, uh, it's at 8829, I think it is, that um, that would list out all, is that right? That, did I see a smirk? Is it? 8829. <laughs> that was a, that was. I'm going to throw it out there because nobody else is going to tell me I'm wrong. So, you know. <laughs> Eric's yeah, exactly. going to call here in a minute. My, and tell my, you. Fa- my, my father <laughs> always used to say, you know, if you know one more, per- one more thing than the yeah. next person, you're an expert. You're, so. you're, you're in business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or what are you also was, used to- Yeah. What's that? was that? the face I was making. I was deciding whether or not I was going to back check you on that. And I, I decided I'm not going to. You know what? I, I want to know. Go ahead. <laughs> My father all, all, all also used to say, if you're a specialist, it means you know more and more about less and less. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, but, but so, uh, so you go to the home office and otherwise you can take your real estate taxes, your mortgage interest, your, you, you, you know, uh, uh, repairs and maintenance, utilities, yeah. things, and homeowners insurance, all of that stuff. And basically, you, you you take you add that all together. You also put in the cost of your home, and you okay. know what the what the what the depreciable value would be of your house. And you add that all together, and then you apply the percentage of, of office space versus the the, the gross living area of okay. the house. Yeah. Um, so um, the other reason, just to, so I don't forget, that the home office was essentially frowned upon was um, it used to be. The way it was treated was that it became essentially a business asset. So if you sold your house and you uh, were allowed an exclusion from the sale, they would sep- you'd have to separately report whatever the portion was that you called a business, yeah. and you'd actually have to pay capital gains on oh, that. Oh, not you anymore. Just, no, no, yeah, not yeah, anymore. Yeah. Unless it's a separate structure. If it's a, if it's a separate structure. Okay. If it's a separate structure, then you do. They'll still uh, assign a basis to it. And okay. So in other words, you know, if you pay $500,000 for your house and you sold it under, you know, today's rules, if you married and you sold it for a million dollars, there'd be no, no, tax. no tax. You'd have a, yeah. what they call a, a section 121. Check that, Kirk. <laughs> uh, Kirk, uh, a 121 exclusion yeah. that you wouldn't have to pay taxes on. If you had a separate structure within that home, yeah, uh, like you know, a barn uh, like or a barn doing that you used yeah. as business, th- the IRS would actually want you to assign a, a, a basis to that. Yeah. You'd have been depreciating it because part of the yep. home office, essentially. Yeah. And then if you if if it, if that doubled in price, you'd have to pay taxes on that. Got it. But if it's now if it's within the within the physical structure of your your, your primary residence, you don't have to. Interesting. So your business, so if you're self-employed, your business deductions are like come off the top and then your, and then your net profit after that flows through to your personal return, then you can take your standard deduction like most Americans do, right? That was my question. I, I, I didn't know if business deductions for a sole proprietor, for example, were part of your itemized deductions on your personal nope. return. They're totally separate. They're like off the top. 
Correct. Uh, so, so yeah. So you 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 figure no. you figure your business profit aside from okay. from from the rest of your tax. Yeah, income. I think I was reading. You mentioned the the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which changed the mm-hmm. standard deduction a hair of what now three two three years ago. And I was reading something that like now something like ninety percent of Americans take a standard deduction. You still have to do the calculation. Yeah. So and and we still no less prepare. work for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We, we, because because it's it's you, you know it's it. always close yeah. and you want to be able to get that out. So it's it's yeah it's the same. You basically go through it and, and we then we identify which is more advantageous. Okay. Yeah. You know. So, um, but yeah, d- it does it seem like the majority of your clients ta- are um, taking a standard? No, versus- still, I mean, oh, I would really? say probably 20% more than, than in the past. Yeah, okay. But again, you still have to go through the calculations to double check it. Yeah. Um, anything else on like the, I don't know, sort of the, the um, tax advantages of being self-employed? Are there, um, you know, of course, write-offs, et cetera, within reason? Um, and what about tax credits? I, I'm not aware of any. I don't know if those were... Oh, two minutes. Okay. Um, yeah, just anything else to wrap up that section of, you know, I mean, what are some of the benefits of being self-employed? You know, you can reduce can, your taxable income and for X, Y, Z. Yeah, I mean, I mean, aside from the, the social and, uh, you know, mental benefits of... Yeah. You know, most people that I know that are self-employed actually probably work harder than if they worked oh, sure. as a W-2 job. Lots of stress and all those things, but um, control schedule and, yeah. You know, con- yeah. Yeah, work-life and, balance. And, and, I mean, uh, you know, people take it, I don't want to say take advantage because I don't mean it like that, but, but you know, you have a company car, you know, or, or you write off some of your miles or you take, you know, mm-hmm. you take a pr- prospective client out to, to lunch, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, we, can, we can continue, we continue because there's that. some nuances. Oh, okay, cool. Um, all right, you're listening to McNamara on Money. Uh, we're talking about tax and financial matters for the self-employed persons out there. Uh, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, though the audio is a little funky today. Um, and we have here Mike McDonough with Nielsen McDonough and Company. Mike's a CPA with offices in uh, with an office in Marshfield and temporarily situate Mass. Uh, we are just taking a break, so stay with us. We have lots more to talk about tax and financial matters for the self-employed. We'll be right back. <laughs> 